Hello folks and welcome back to Bible in a Year. Today is day 150 and we're going to start with 1 Kings chapter 6 through 8. In the 480th year after a uh, year after the people of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, in the 4th year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, he began to build the house of the Lord. The house which King Solomon built for the Lord was 60 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. The vestibule in front of the nave of the house was twenty cubits long, equal to the width of the house, and ten cubits deep in front of the house, and he made for the house windows with recessed frames. He also built a structure against the wall of the house, running round the walls of the house, both the nave and the inner sanctuary, and he made side chambers all around. The lowest story was five cubits broad, the middle one was six cubits broad, and the third was seven cubits broad, for around the outside of the house he made offsets on the wall in order that the supporting beams should not be inserted into the walls of the house. Then the house was built. It was When the house was built, it was, it was with stone prepared at the quarry, so that neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron was heard in the temple while it was being built. The entrance for the lowest story was on the south side of the house and one went up by stairs to the middle story, and from the middle story to the third. So he built the house and finished it, and he made the ceiling of the house of beams and planks of cedar. He built the structure against the whole house, each story five cubits high, and it was joined to the house with timbers of cedar. Now the word of the Lord came to Solomon. Concerning this house which you are building, if you will walk in my statutes and obey my ordinances and keep all my commandments and walk in them, then I will establish my word with you, which I spoke to David your father, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. So Solomon built the house and finished it. He lined the walls of the house on the inside with boards of cedar. From the floor of the house to the rafters of the ceiling, he covered them on the inside with wood, and he covered the floor of the house with boards of cypress. He built twenty cubits of the rear of the house with boards of cedar from the floor to the rafters, and he built this within as an inner sanctuary, as the most holy place. The house that is, the nave, in front of the inner sanctuary, was forty cubits long. The cedar within the house was carved in the form of gourds and open flowers. All was cedar, no stone was seen. The inner sanctuary he prepared in the innermost part of the house to set there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. The inner sanctuary was twenty cubits long, twenty cubits wide, and twenty cubits high, and he overlaid it with, pur with pure gold. He also made an altar of cedar, and Solomon overlaid the inside of the house with pure gold, and he drew chains of gold across in front of the inner sanctuary, and overlaid it with gold. And he overlaid the whole house with gold, until all the house was finished. Also the whole altar that belonged to the inner sanctuary he overlaid with gold." In the inner sanctuary he made two cherubim of, cherubim of olive wood, each ten cubits high. Five cubits was the length of one wing of the cherub, and five cubits the length of the other wing of the cherub. It was ten cubits from the tip of one wing to the tip of the other. The other cherub also me measured ten cubits. Both cherubim had the same measure and the same form. The height of one cherub was ten cubits, and so was that of the other cherub. He put the cherubim in the innermost part of the house, and the wings of the cherubim were spread out, so that a wing of one touched the one wall, and a wing of the other cherub touched the other wall. Their other wings touched each other in the middle of the house. And he overlaid the cherubim with gold. He carved all the walls of the house round about with carved figures of cherubim and palm trees and open flowers in the inner and outer rooms. 
the floor of the house he overlaid with gold in the inner and outer rooms. For the entrance to the inner sanctuary he made doors of olive wood, the lintel and the doorposts formed a pentagon. He covered the two doors of olive wood with carvings of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. He overlaid them with gold and spread gold upon the cherubim and upon the palm trees. So also he made for the entrance to the nave doorposts of olive wood in the form of a square, and two doors of cypress wood. The two leaves of the one door were folding, two leaves of the other door were folding. On them he carved cherubim and palm trees and open flowers, and he overlaid them with gold evenly applied upon the carved work. He built the inner court with three courses of hewn stone and one course of cedar beams. In the fourth year the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid, in the month of Ziv. And in the eleventh year, in the, mount, in the month of Bull, which is the eighth month, the house was finished in all its parts, according to all its specifications. He was seven years in building it. Solomon was building his own house thirteen years, and he finished his entire house. He built the house of the forest of Lebanon. Its length was a hundred cubits, and its breadth fifty cubits, and its height thirty cubits. And it was built upon three rows of cedar pillars, with cedar beams upon the pillars. And it was covered with cedar above the chambers that were upon the forty-five pillars, fifteen in each row. There were window frames in three rows, and window opposite window in three tiers. All the doorways and windows had square frames, and the window was opposite window in three, in three tiers. And he made the hall of pillars, its length with fifty cubits, and its breadth thirty cubits. There was a porch in front with, with pillars and a canopy before them, and he made the hall of the throne where he was, was to pronounce judgment, even the hall of judgment. It was finished with cedar from floor to rafters. His own house where he was to dwell, in the inner court back of the hall, was of like workmanship. Solomon also made a house like this hall for Pharaoh's daughter, whom he had taken in marriage. All these were made of costly stones, hewn according to measure, sawn, sawed with sawns back and front, even from the foundation to the coping, and from the court of the house of the Lord to the great court. The foundation was of costly stones, huge stones, stones of eight and ten cubits, and above were costly stones, hewn according to the measurement, and cedar. The great court had three courses of hewn stone round about, and a course of cedar beams. So had the inner court of the house of the Lord, and the vestibule of the house. And King Solomon sent, and brought Hiram from Tyre. He was the son of a widow of the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was a man of Tyre, a worker in bronze. And he was full of wisdom, understanding, and skill for making any work in bronze. He came to King Solomon, and did all his work. He cast two pillars of bronze, eighteen cubits was the height of one pillar, and a line of twelve cubits measured its circumference. It was hollow, and its thickness was four fingers. The second pillar was the same. He also made two capitals of molten bronze to set upon the tops of the pillars. The height of the one capital was five cubits, and the height of the other capital was five cubits. Then he made two nets of checkerwork with wreaths of chain work for the capitals upon the tops of the pillars, a net for the one capital and a net for the other capital. Likewise, he made pomegranates in two rows round about upon the one network to cover the capital that was upon the, upon the top of the pillar, and he did the same with the other capital. Now the capitals that were upon the tops of the pillars in the vestibule were of lily work, four cubits. The capitals were upon the two pillars and also above the rounded projection which was beside the network. There were two hundred pomegranates in two rows round about, and so with the other capital. He set up the pillars at the vestibule of the temple. He set up the pillar on the south and called its name Yachin, and he set up the pillar on the north and called its name Boaz. And upon the tops of the pillars was lily work, thus the work of the pillars was finished. Then he made the molten sea. It was round, ten cubits from brim to brim, and five cubits high, and a line of thirty cubits measured its circumference. Under its brim were gourds for thirty cubits, compassing the sea round about. The gourds were in two rows, cast with it when it was cast. 
It stood upon twelve oxen, three facing north, three facing west, three facing south, and three facing east. The sea was set upon them, and all their hinder parts were inward. Its thickness was a handbreadth. Its brim was made like the brim of a cup, like the flower of a lily. It held two thousand baths. He also made the ten stands of bronze. Each stand was four cubits long, four cubits wide, and three cubits high. This was the construction of the stands. They had panels, and the panels were set in the frames. And on the panels that were set on the frames were lions, oxen, and cherubim. Upon the frames, both above and below the lions and oxen, there were wreaths of beveled work. Moreover, each stand had four bronze wheels and axles of bronze, and at the four corners were supports for a laver. The supports were cast with wreaths at the side of each. Its opening was within a crown which projected upward one cubit. Its opening was round as a pedestal is made, a cubit and a half deep. At its opening there were carvings, and its panels were square, not round. And the four wheels were underneath the panels. The axles of the wheels were of one piece with the stands, and the height of a wheel was a cubit and a half. The wheels were made like a chariot wheel. Their axles, their rims, their spokes, and their hubs were all cast. There were four supports at the four corners of each stand. The supports were of one piece with the stands. And on the top of the stand there was a round band, half a cubit high. And on the top of the stand its stays and its panels were of one piece with it. And on the surface of its stays and on its panels he carved cherubim, lions, and palm trees, according to the space of each, with wreaths round about. After this manner he made the ten stands, all of them were cast alike, of the same measure and the same form. And he made ten lavers of bronze, each laver held forty baths, each laver measured forty cubits, and four cubits, and there was a laver for each of the ten stands. And he set the stands, five on the south side of the house, and five on the north side of the house, and he set the sea on the southeast corner of the house. Hiram also made the pots, the shovels, and the basins. So Hiram finished all the work that he did for King Solomon on the house of the Lord, the two pillars, the two bowls of the capitals that were on the top of the pillars, and the two networks to cover the two bowls of the capitals that were on the tops of the pillars, and the four hundred pomegranates for the two networks, two rows of pomegranates for each network, to cover the two bowls of the capitals that were upon the pillars, the ten stands, and the ten lavers upon the stands, and the, and the one sea, and the twelve oxen underneath the sea. Now the pots, the shovels, the basins, and all these vessels in the house of the Lord, which here made for King Solomon, were of burnished bronze. In the plain of the Jordan the king cast them, in the clay ground between Sukkoth and Zarathan. And Solomon left all the vessels unweighed, because there were so many of them, the weight of the bronze was not found out. So Solomon made all the vessels that were in the house of the Lord, the golden altar, the golden table for the bread of the presence, the lampstands of pure gold, five on the south side and five on the north, before their inner sanctuary, the flowers, the lamps, and the tongs of gold, the cups, snuffers, basins, dishes for incense, and firepans of pure gold, and the sockets of gold, for the doors of the innermost part of the house, the most holy place, and for the doors of the nave of the temple. Thus all the work that King Solomon did on the house of the Lord was finished, and Solomon brought in all the things which David his father had dedicated, the silver, the gold, and the vessels, and stored them in the treasuries of the house of the Lord. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the fathers' houses of the people of Israel, before King Solomon in Jerusalem, to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And all the men of Israel assembled to King Solomon at the feast in the mouth of Ethanim, month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark. And they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tent of meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent. The priests and the Levites brought them up. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who had assembled before him were with him before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxygen that they could not be counted or numbered. Then the priests brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house in the most holy place underneath the wings of the cherubim. 
For the cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the ark, so that the cherubim made a covering above the ark and its poles. And the poles were so long that the ends of the poles were seen from the holy place before the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside, and they are there to this day. There was nothing in the ark except the two tables of stone which Moses put there at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. And when the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon said, The Lord has set the sun in the heavens, but has said that he would dwell in thick darkness. I have built thee an exalted house, a place for thee to dwell in for ever. Then the king faced about and blessed all the assembly of Israel, while all the assembly of Israel stood. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his hand has fulfilled what he promised with his mouth to David my father, saying, Since the day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I chose no city in all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there. But I chose David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of David my father to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to David my father, Whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build the house, but your son who shall be born to you shall build the house for my name. Now the Lord has fulfilled his promise which he made, for I have risen in the place of David my father, and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised, and I have built the house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. And there I have provided a place for the ark, in which the covenant of the Lord which he made with our fathers, when he brought them out of the land of Egypt." Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel, and spread forth his hands toward heaven, and said, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like thee, in heaven above or on earth below, beneath, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to thy servants who walk before thee with all their heart, who hast kept with thy servant David my father what thou didst declare to him. Yea, thou didst speak with thy mouth, and with thy hand hast fulfilled it this day. Now therefore, O Lord, God of Israel, keep with thy servant David my father what thou hast promised him, saying, There shall never fail you a man before me to sit upon the throne of Israel, if only your sons take heed to their way, to walk before me as you have walked before me. Now therefore, O God of Israel, let thy word be confirmed which thou hast spoken to thy servant David my father. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain thee, how much less this house which I have built. Yet have regard on the prayer of thy servant, and to this and to his supplication, O Lord my God, hearken to the cry and to the prayer which thy servant prays before thee this day, that thy eyes may be opened day and night toward this house, the place of which thou hast said, My name shall be there, that thou mayest hearken to the prayer which thy servant offers toward this place, and hearken thou to the supplication of thy servant and of thy people Israel when they pray toward this place. Yea, hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and when thou hearest, forgive." If a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath, and comes and swears his oath before thine altar in this house, then hear thou in heaven and act, and judge thy servants, condemning the guilty by bringing his conduct upon his own head, and vindicating the righteous by rewarding him according to his righteousness. When thy people Israel are defeated before the enemy because they have sinned against me, against thee, if they turn again to thee and acknowledge thy name and pray and make supplication to thee in this house, then hear thou in heaven and forgive the sin of thy people Israel, and bring them again to the land which thou givest, gavest to their fathers. When heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against thee, if they pray toward this place and acknowledge thy name and turn from their sin when thou dost afflict them, then hear thou in heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants, thy people Israel, when thou dost teach them the good way in which they should walk, and grant rain upon thy land which thou hast given to thy people as an inheritance. 
If there is famine in the land, and if there is pestilence, or blight, or mildew, or locust, or caterpillar, if their enemy besieges them in any of their cities, whatever plague, whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by any man or by thy people Israel, each knowing the affliction of his own heart, and stretching out his hands toward this house, when hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive, and act, and render to each whose heart thou knowest, according to all his ways, for thou, thou only, knowest the hearts of all the children of men, that they may fear thee all the days that they live in the land which thou gavest to our fathers. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not who is not of thy people Israel comes from a far country for thy name's sake, for they shall hear of thy great name in thy mighty land, and of thy outstretched arm. And when he comes and prays toward this house, hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and do according for to all for which the foreigner calls to thee, in order that all the peoples of the earth may know thy name and fear thee, as do thy people Israel, that they may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. If thy people go out to battle against their enemy, by whatever way thou shalt send them, and they pray to the Lord toward the city which thou hast chosen, and the house which I have built for thy name, when hear thou in heaven their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. If they sin against thee, for there is no man who does not sin, and thou art angry with them, and dost give them, give them to an enemy, so that they are carried away captive to the land of the enemy, far off or near, yet if they lay it in heart... Lay it to heart in the land to which they have been carried captive, and repent and make supplication to thee in the land of their captors, saying, We have sinned and have acted perversely and wickedly. If they repent with all their mind, with all their heart, in the land of their enemies who carried them captive, and pray to thee toward their land, which thou gavest to their fathers, the city which thou hast chosen, and the house which I have built for thy name, then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause." And forgive thy people who have sinned against thee, and all their transgressions which they have committed against thee, and grant them compassion in the sight of those who carried them captive, that they may have compassion on them. For they are thy people, and thy heritage, which thou didst bring out of Egypt from the midst of the iron furnace. Let thy eyes be open to the supplication of thy servant, and to the supplication of thy people Israel, giving ear to them whenever they call to thee. For thou didst separate them from among all the peoples of the earth, to be thy heritage, and thou didst declare through Moses thy servant, when thou didst bring our fathers out of Egypt, O Lord God. Now as Solomon finished offering all his prayer and supplication to the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had knelt with hands outstretched toward heaven, and he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord, who has given rest to his people Israel, according to all that he promised. Not one word has failed of all his good promise, which he uttered by Moses his servant. The Lord our God be with us, as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to him, to walk in all his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his ordinances, which he commanded our fathers. Let these words of mine, wherewith I have made supplication before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night. And may he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel, as each day requires, that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no other. Let your heart, therefore, be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments, as at this day. Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifice before the Lord. Solomon offered his peace offerings to the Lord, twenty-two thousand oxen and a hundred and twenty thousand sheep. So the king and all the people of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord." The same day the king consecrated the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord, for there he offered the burnt offering and the cereal offering and the fat pieces of the peace offerings, because the bronze altar that was before the Lord was too small to receive the burnt offering and the cereal offering and the fat pieces of the peace offering. 
So Solomon held the feast at that time, and all Israel with him, a great assembly, from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt, before the Lord our God, seven days. On the eighth day he sent the people away, and they blessed the king, and went to their homes joyful and glad of heart for all the goodness that the Lord had shown to David his servant, and to Israel his people. Our next reading is Psalm 149. Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel be glad in his maker, let the sons of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with timbrel and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people, he adorns the humble with victory. Let the faithful exult in glory, let them sing for joy on their couches. Let the high praises of God be in their throats, and two-edged swords in their hands, to wreak vengeance on the nations and chastisement to the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written. This is glory for all his faithful ones. Praise the Lord. Our last reading for today is John chapter 5, verses 31 to 47. If I bear witness to myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness to me, and I know that the testimony which he bears to me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth, not that the testimony which I receive is from man, but I say this, that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony which I have is greater than that of John, for the works which the Father has granted me to accomplish, these very works which I am doing, bear bear me witness that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness to me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him who has sent. You search the scriptures, because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness to me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men. But I know that you have not the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, how you will receive him you will receive. How can you believe who receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. It is Moses who accuses you, on whom you set your hope. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Well, that is everything for today. I hope that you're well. Thanks for reading together. And I'll see you tomorrow. Bye.